Welcome to It Didn't Break Me, a podcast where we have honest and vulnerable conversations around the messy stuff we didn't think we'd come back from, inspiring you to give yourself permission to discover the beauty within the mess and to let go the illusion of perfection. I'm your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. Hello and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. I am your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. If it is your first time here, welcome and thank you for joining me. And if it is not, welcome back and thank you for coming back. So I am not going to talk too much because I always just want to get into the episode because they are so juicy and so so interesting. So last week, we had a guest on, Brianne, and we talked about sex and love addiction. And this week, we have a guest on, and her story also has some relation to sex, but unfortunately, in a different way. So there is some trauma there. So I do want to let you know that this story can be triggering. So if you feel like you're someone who may be triggered, we don't go into detail, but there may be some triggers there in terms of referring to sexual abuse and molestation. And so I want to put that out front that there is a trigger warning. If you do listen to this and you feel like this is hard to listen to, please press pause and if you want to continue you can if you don't that is totally fine but pay attention to your body pay attention to how you respond um, when you are listening to this podcast and make that decision based on how you feel and how your body is responding so this is season one and then this is episode six of the podcast my guest today is Elizabeth Cush, LCPC, aka Biz. Elizabeth is a licensed clinical professional counselor, a woman's life coach, and business owner in Maryland, where she hosts the Woman Warriors and Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. Biz is an advocate for healing and personal growth at any age. She coaches women who've lost a sense of self by providing a sacred space to reconnect with their inner wisdom, their intuition, their wisest self, so they feel more at home in themselves. In her private practice, Progression Counseling, Biz helps men and women who feel overwhelmed, anxious, and stressed out find more connection with themselves and others allowing them to live their lives with more ease, intention, and purpose. She's worked in the mental health field for over 10 years, is a certified clinical trauma professional, trained in IFS level one, and she incorporates mindfulness and meditation into her psychotherapy work with individuals and groups. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation.
Hello, Biz, and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. Oh, Bianca, thank you so much for having me. And I'm really excited for our conversation and, and you know, spending some time with you here. Yeah, I am too. Thank you. I love when a fellow therapist comes on. <laughs> I <laughs> feel too. like and fellow and fellow podcaster. It yeah. always makes it easier. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I forget. Fellow therapist, fellow podcast. It just brings a different element. So let's go ahead um, and ask the most important question. What's something you thought would break you, but it didn't? When I was really young, I was uh, sexually abused by a family member. And as hard as that was, really the hardest part of it was that the adults that were in my life that should have been able to protect me and that from what I have learned, knew what was happening. They didn't have it within themselves to, to stop it, to protect me, to keep me safe. Mm. And that was really, took a long time to, to heal from, but to uh, really fully understand in a way that I wasn't just angry all the time. Mm. I, I mean, I can only imagine how angry you were. So for those who are listening, some people will feel like, well, how can the abuse not be as big as what happened? <laughs> yeah. um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Um, I would say for me, one, because I was so young, uh, I don't have a ton of memory. I mean, I'm sure I know that my body remembers and um, it's stored there. But um, I think because the lack of protection, the lack of, of adult uh, intervention actually really persisted into other areas of my life. You know, it wasn't just around the abuse. It was a that period of time, I'm, I'm 61. And so growing up in the sixties and seventies there, it was almost like, here you are, you have children and there is some supervision, but the emotional pieces were sort of left out of that. Like, how do we take care of this child emotionally and really meet her needs? And, and to, 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 I think as far as my parents were concerned, just not having within them the strength and the, the, I don't know, the, I guess, feeling empowered enough to, to really stop it and to do something about it. So um, that felt harder for me to, that's taken longer for me to understand Mm -hmm. that, you know, I have children of my own and there's a part of me that's like that, I, I never would have stood back and been a bystander myself, but I understand my parents were raised in different times and they just didn't have it in them. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine the emotional turmoil as a child and then leading into an adult because you can't even begin to pro- comprehend as a mm-hmm. child, let alone like, why, why are these people, I'm telling them what's going on. And they're still not protecting me and they're still not keeping me safe. What kind of 
messages or what kind of narrative did you tell yourself as a result of that? Yeah, I think I learned early on that that asking for help wasn't going to get me very far. I think that that I learned early on to one shut down a lot of how I was feeling. Also, when I was in distress to find other ways to to manage the distress, so I ended up with a lot of anxiety and finding, you know, friends or, or, you know, other adults that could support me, but even that was hard. I mean, it was hard to trust really. It was really Mm. hard to trust that, that if I asked for help, I would get what I needed. Mm -hmm. Mm. Ooh, that's a big one. Trust. It is. Um, is. Trust in others and then trusting yourself, trust in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, that's what we want as children, right? We want to feel safe and learn how to trust and all those things. And then when we don't get that, what happens? What happens, Biz? (laughs) A lot of things can happen. Um, For me, I think I ended up just being a child who was afraid all the time and and, um, really not recognizing that even into probably adolescence. And I would have said that I was fearless, you know, I would, would be, was willing to sort of do risky things. And I, you know, I can remember being shoplifting as a kid, like just <laughs> pushing the limits, but honestly, beneath that, I, you know, through my own work, I recognized that I, I entered the world still a lot of the time afraid. And that's taken a lot of work to trust myself that I can keep me safe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I want to highlight on that takes a lot of the work because I hear that a lot is how hard it is to trust yourself, especially mm-hmm. when you haven't been taught how or no one's shown you or you haven't been able to trust others and you're trying to figure that out. And I think that even comes in the sense of not even just the protection, but also if people experience criticism Mm -hmm. um you're trying to do your best and it always gets shut down it's like how do I even trust myself so Mm. um does that resonate with you yeah well I know that for me you know anytime like doing a podcast was huge because here I'm putting myself out into the world in a very new way very visible way and there was a part of me that was like can I trust that this is a safe place to put my story out there, right? That like, but also being a therapist. I mean, just yes, yes. I mean, it it was it has definitely taken a lot of work, but also um I think just recognizing how often I was fearful really helped me learn how to take care of myself and build that trust within. Mm. Fearful of you would say fearful of what? Everything. <laughs> I would say just afraid of how, you know, who is going to hurt me? Who can I trust? Is this safe um, for me to show up fully even? You know, can I, can I really show up fully as myself and be accepted and loved and, and 
welcomed uh, in all relationships, probably. I mean, that's the biggest place, you know, mm. is, is, is the relationship piece. Like when you're constantly walking around or entering into relationships from a, a, a scared or fearful place, you're not really showing up as you, your full self, because maybe you're staying quiet. Maybe you're not sharing your opinion. Maybe you're not asking for what you need. And so that shift to be able to say, okay, well, maybe I'm a little bit afraid. And for me, the fear showed up as anxiety. Like I was socially anxious a lot of the time and um, can easily spend a lot of time by myself <laughs> because that feels safer. Um, but, you know, that, I think that awareness of anxiety equals fear, which I know we know as therapists, but like internalizing that as a person, as a human, as a being, like that was a little bit harder for me. Do you think it was harder because you were a therapist? <laughs> I think sometimes being a therapist opened a lot of doors, but it also, yes. And, and, and to, to be a therapist and recognize your own weaknesses in a very authentic way I feel like one, yes, it's hard. And sometimes the therapy world doesn't welcome our vulnerability as humans, but it's so important. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad you're saying that because I kind of want people to hear that. It's like, we're taught to have this space and hold this space, but then sometimes even for us, we feel like we're not allowed in that space or we're not, we have to kind of quiet down or mm -hmm. we, we have to think about what we're going to share. Yeah. And of course, you know, if you're in a therapy session, you're not going to overshare, but I just think of like me personally on a podcast or on a social media, it's like, what do you share? What do you not share? And I mean, I just yeah. share now. I just share because <laughs> my clients want to know and everyone wants to know that you're human. Um, yes. Yes. So it's, it's, and then, but then we have these questions. I feel like I do anyway, have these questions inside myself. Like, should I say that? Should I be going through this? Is this okay? Why don't I know better? Like it's mm -hmm. one thing to do it as a regular person. And then another thing to do it as, yes. as a therapist. Would you agree? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Like, I feel like for me, often the, the question of like, why haven't I already healed this <laughs> comes up a lot, especially because I'm a therapist. I'm like, I'm out there saying, come to therapy, come to coaching, you know, talking about things heals your wounds. You know, we can, we can heal trauma in so many ways now that we didn't know about, but then to be able to say, well, I still get triggered, right? <laughs> I still have my stuff that can feel very vulnerable, but it's also real, right? We're all human. We are human. And yeah, we can do a lot of healing, but that doesn't mean, especially if we've experienced trauma, it doesn't take away what happened. And so of course we're going to be traumatized occasionally, whether it's in session or in our lives or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you're, spe <laughs> you're speaking my life my language like why can't I heal faster <laughs> why why am I still struggling <laughs> right with this thing whatever it is yeah I definitely know. Know. so um so just thinking about you know when when you're in this space and you're going through this space and you know kind of navigating 
you know, for the abuse and the aftermath and living life, like, do you, did you ever have any of those questions of like, how am I going to live through this? Like, kind of like take us through, you know, that question of, oh my God, I thought this would break me that didn't, but kind of like take us through that. Yeah. I think, um, I think I, I was never really like actively suicidal. I think I, it's possible that, uh, so for me, I handle a lot of my pain through substances. So I, I drank too much and I used drugs I shouldn't have been using back, back in the day, not anymore. Um, and so for me, it, it, numbing was the only answer. Like either I was shutting it down internally through like avoidance and over busyness and pushing myself, whether physically or mentally, um, but also using substances when that wasn't working or at the end of the day when suddenly like I couldn't sleep or whatever. Um, but I think part of what was so hard was there was this part of me that believed that because of the abuse that somehow I was broken inside, that there was something that would never heal. And that if I wasn't careful, that would sort of bleed out into the world. People would see it. So it was like keeping this, whether it was professional or, you know, physical, like I've got it together. I know what I'm doing. I felt I really didn't think that would ever, like, I felt like that would break me. I don't know if I felt like it would break me, like I, I couldn't move on from it, but it just felt like it would never get better. Mm, that's what that meant to you. It would never, if people saw that, if I bled out into the world, if people figured out or knew what happened to me or what's really going on, mm -hmm. nothing would ever change. Right. Right. Mm. Well, and, and that they would see that there was somehow I, I, I was I don't know, not less than human, but somehow, yeah, they wouldn't want to be around me, I guess. Mm. And I, I think so many people can relate to that. And I love the language of mm. parts. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I use that language a lot um, mm. to help distinguish because sometimes we take on these labels like I'm this or I'm that or I'm not good sure. enough or I'm, I'm worthless. And, you know, I always break it down. Like, well, part of you feels that way. Right. But then the other thing I like to come in with is, well, what's the truth? So part of you felt like if I bled out into this world, um, you know, nothing will ever get better. And that, that was your truth. That was, that was kind of like your reality, but what's the, tell us the other side, what is the actual truth of, people finding out or you sharing and, and not even people, but just even admitting to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think for me, there was a part of me, the truth was there was a part of me that really wanted to heal, that really wanted to, to take care of those parts who were so wounded you know, so my childlike parts, the wounded parts from my past, there were very strong. So part of it is my therapist part, right? I was always learning. I was reading, I was taking training. So I was trying to figure myself out as well as my clients, but there was a very strong part of me that felt like, um, 
what if, what if things could be better? Like maybe there's a different story here. Maybe if I share my truth, maybe if I better understand those wounded parts and can bring some love and compassion inside that, that maybe I have a story to share that's worth sharing and showing up fully felt way better than trying to stay hidden and, and quiet and afraid. Mm, I love that part of you that question the other part, question the other side, because often we tend to go to, it's yeah. the worst thing, but this other part was maybe not, maybe, maybe there's something else. Yeah. Yeah. And so something you said, I kind of read about you that you actually went to back to study at the age of 50. Is that right? I <laughs> to become a therapist, which is I, huge. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. Is yep. that when you started to really look and get honest with yourself and start healing um, from the abuse, your childhood abuse, or was it before that? I would say that was the first full step into it. You know, I had been in and out of therapy from, well, I went, I was in therapy in high school and then in and out of therapy through college and then got back into therapy after some, you know, one of my kids was born, I was having some postpartum stuff um, anxiety and depression. And, um, I was always seeking, like, maybe there's this thing out there that can help me feel more whole and help me feel more myself. And I had wanted to be a therapist for a long time. And it took some time for me to, to, I didn't, you know, I didn't graduate from undergrad, uh, college till much later and then didn't get back into school until I was 50. And so, yes, that opened the door for sure, because I was really learning so much about the psychology of humans and trauma and wanting so much to learn more in order to help myself. Uh, but I also had some kind of yucky therapy experiences myself that, that helped me want to really be a good to myself, but also good for my clients. So it meant, yeah, learning a lot, but it also meant a commitment to weekly therapy for myself, which I had put off. I was like, ah, I'm okay. I can heal myself. I can figure this out through books and study and learning. And no, it wasn't enough. Mm. That's so powerful. You took such a brave step. Now, did you ever think as a woman, <laughs> I'm putting up my quotation marks. Um, <laughs> I was too old, quotation marks, to uh, uh, go back to to heal, or I'm part. I should be past this now. Or th why would I go into therapy now? Did that ever come up? Oh, for sure. Well, and and uh, you know, again, that same story of like, why haven't I healed this? Even though I wasn't you know, I was reading about it and studying and trying to move beyond, but I really hadn't found a therapist that could really go with me to those places that were really kind of terrifying, right? I mean, the abuse itself, but what it meant to not have the people and the adults in my life stop what was, was happening, but also not emotionally really available to me. And that it's been hard work. I'm still working on it, but, um, yes, I did. I was like, I'm too old. Half the people in my, it was a cohort and 
I was definitely the oldest one there. Um, it wasn't easy, but mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, my professors and a few of the students were super great. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's beautiful. So um, kind of like you've been doing this healing and you've, you know, kind of going through this journey. Was there something before you started that made you like an aha or a situation that made you say, okay, I'm ready to look at this. I'm ready to start the journey of healing. I think um, what really highlighted, uh, yes, my own, what I needed was when I was in um, like taking some of my graduate classes where we were really talking about trauma and substance abuse and why people get addicted and, and how impactful trauma is on your emotional and your physical being. And I was doing a lot of reading on my own and, and um, it just made me, I think the aha moment was, yeah, I knew I had a very anxious part, but there wasn't that sort of like, oh, okay. I've had to sort of figure out my own emotional landscape since I was a kid. So of course there's an anxious part because it doesn't really know how to do that. Like, mm -hmm. and I really never learned how to do that. And so that was helpful to sort of like, this anxiety isn't my fault mm -hmm. in a way, you know, um, that there's a lot of trauma behind it and that to heal that will help me feel less anxious and scared in the world. So mm. yeah, I think um, being in school was very helpful, but it also highlighted how often I was getting triggered by mm. just the material and what was going on. Yeah. In yeah. The classrooms. I think that happens to a lot of people. Yep. I think so too. <laughs> Me I too. Think so too. Me too. When you go through grad school, it does bring up a lot of stuff. And, and I, and I appreciate you sharing the anxiety as being the sign um, because anxiety and of course, depression are, um, they they can be indicators to trauma, but people don't even think about mm -hmm. it. Just think, Oh, I'm anxious or I'm, you know, depressed or anything like that. So if anyone yeah. is hearing this, I just want people to know that there could be more to that anxiety and it doesn't have to be like abuse or you know um sexual abuse or anything it could be a different type of trauma there's the um emotional piece which i i really want to highlight the emotional mental is actually sometimes bigger i've discovered than the physical and the sexual which is the case for you because you experienced yeah. sexual abuse but the biggest part was you're not being feeling safe and protected by those who were meant to protect you and that's that emotional and mental peace that people don't always realize. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's traumatic as well. So mm -hmm. um, tell us what is life like now for you? It's good. Life is really good. I have, uh, I've raised three amazing young men who have all launched and gone out into the world. And I would probably, I, I think I could say all three of them are feminists. So I'm very proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm married. I've been in, in a stable marriage for 36 years. Um, I have a wonderful dog who, uh, Elvis, who is a rescue, who also has a lot of anxiety. So I have a lot mm -hmm. of empathy for him, mm -hmm. but, but, but my healing journey 
continues. I think that's that's the bottom line is that like, I think what I would like for listeners to know is that like the healing journey isn't one, one it isn't linear. You don't go from point A to point Z, mm-hmm. right? Like we move forward and backward. We take a few steps, be, you know, we move up a few steps. We take a few steps back mm-hmm. and that's part of the journey, but also that you can always come back to it, right? If, if you get to a point where you're sort of tired of working on yourself, you can step away from therapy or, or your own healing journey for a while and come back to it when you're ready. Because I fully believe that we have to be in an emotional and we have to be in a place where we're open to, to do the work. And that just mm. sometimes takes age, sometimes just takes where you are in your life, sometimes can just be an opening where you're like, okay, it's time for that next step to toward healing. And for me, um, learning how to be kind to myself. So mm-hmm. my self-compassion practice has been huge the whole parts work thing, knowing that there are probably, I know there are still wounded parts that need work and need healing. And I'm working, I'm, I'm working on that. Um, but, but there's always time to heal no matter how old you are. I guess that would be my the bottom mm. line. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You said, you said some really cool stuff that I just want to share Viz. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to research. <laughs> One thing you said is that you no longer see your see the abuse as a liability. You now see it as a strength. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is true. I wouldn't be the person I am today without it, right? Mm. I mean, one, I feel like I have an internal knowing about how hard it can be. So for my clients, whether they're therapy or coaching clients, I know what it's like to have been abused. And I know what the healing process, I know how hard that can be. But I also, because I've been through this and healed and have taken steps to really feel fully like myself again, like fully authentically me. I just, I have that hope too for clients. I have that, mm-hmm. that vision of that this can shift. And I mean, I would never, ever, ever say that like abuse is good because it's terrible and it should never happen. But Without that, I don't know who I would be today because it is just part of who I am. Mm. Okay. That's interesting because a lot of people will be like, how could you say that? Mm -hmm. Or some people like, I wish this never happened. Of course, of course, of course. And I, I wish it had never happened. Absolutely Mm -hmm. for sure. But it did. The, the the fact is that it it happened and it wasn't handled very well. But the strength that I have gained through healing and because I experienced that, it took a long time and it took a lot of getting to know myself on a in a very deep and sometimes hard way. 
um, as I said, it just, I think it makes me a better therapist. I think it pushed me to become the therapist and coach that I am. I think I'm not sure that I would have had the understanding and empathy and compassion that I hold for all trauma survivors without it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that without my own struggles of perfectionism. I don't think I would have been able to go through the debts that I go through or connect with the clients the way that I do. Yeah. I can, I can relate to that for sure. Yeah. Um, Okay. And just, you keep saying this word. I love it. Um, These words, finding my way back to me, coming back home to me. Mm. So resonate that. I'm curious, where did you go? Where did you go? Where did biz go? How do you mean? So your thing was, you talk a lot about coming back home to me. So, or finding my way back to me, right? So I think of, me, I left London and I went to America and then I would go back home to London. Right. So where do you feel like this went? Does that make sense? It does. It does make sense. Um, so throughout the sort of, uh, this part of me that wanted to heal for a long time, it thought that the healing was out there somewhere out outside myself. Mm. So I, explored religion. I meditated. I studied. I read. I took trainings on trauma, like in-depth trainings on trauma. Like I worked hard to sort of find healing out there. And it took coming back and turning inward, working with my parts, better understanding what was inside that needed to heal and how I could take care of me, that I was the resource I needed. Um, To me, that coming home to myself and understanding, not that I'm an island and I don't need other people, of course I do, but if I'm anxious and struggling or or, uh, parts of me are being triggered by my own trauma, it's me that needs to take care of me, nobody else. And that took me a long, long, long time to really fully feel. Hmm. I love that. Beautiful. Okay. So one of the last of your amazing quotes, healing begins when you're seen. Healing deepens when you see yourself. I, I'm like, that needs to be a quote of the year that... (laughs) Oh, you're very sweet. Thank you. And I I appreciate you reading it back to me because sometimes I think we put stuff out into the world that in the moment feels big, but then we kind of forget that it's out there. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what coming home means to me is that being able to see myself fully, all the parts of me, even the messy parts as we've talked about, the... Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about being a perfect, perfectly healed human. It's about embracing the mess. It's, it's embracing the success. It's, it's allowing that I can show up fully for myself and for others. And that's been huge Mm. and be loved. 
like that. <laughs> by me and by other people. <laughs> that is, it is too good to be loved and loved yourself. So you said, um, you said something uh, just, of course, about the mess, which is what we're all about, discovering the beauty within the mess. My last question to you is, what is messy? <laughs> what is messy? Because you've done all this beautiful healing and some people are like, oh my God, she's just amazing. She's just, but what's messy in your life right now? It could be something physical. I don't know, your room or something emotional. <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep a very tidy house. That's one way I stay in control, but uh, what's messy is I still have anxiety. There's a part of me that hates that. There is a part of me that's like, damn it, girl, you should be <laughs> fixed. You should be over this. But I still get anxiety. And most often it probably shows up Sunday nights when I'm getting ready to immerse myself back into the work week and be my professional self. Um, there's a part that gets really worried about that. Like, you know, who are you to be showing up for all these people in your life? And I don't know, just questioning and ah, uh, yeah. So that's hard from, <laughs> this is something I've been trying to share more often because it's real. And I don't, I've done a lot of work around with my anxiety, but I'm pretty sure that it's just going to be a part of my life. And that feels messy to me, even though I wish it didn't feel messy. I wish it just felt like that was okay. <laughs> well, that's the whole point. <laughs> that's all the mess. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I just want people <laughs> to be able to connect. Like, oh my God, nothing's wrong with her. Of course, like nothing happens to her. Of course, not that anything's wrong with you, but nothing must oh. be happening to her. But yeah, we all yeah, struggle no. too. Yeah, we do. We do. And, and I am a hundred percent human, right? Like my life is not perfect. That is a fact. And, and yeah, being okay with that. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Was there any final words you want to share with the audience? Biz? I think I would just like to reiterate too. Well, you know, one, we touched on that, um, it's never too late to heal, but it's also never too late to decide you want to do something different. Like, yes, it takes effort and time and maybe money, but you can make change and shifts in your life, both personally and professionally. And it's okay to ask for help along the way. Mm, love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And can you just tell us where um, we can connect with you and shower you with love? Oh, you're so sweet. Um, so I'm on Instagram at Awaken Your Wise Woman, uh, on Twitter at Woman Warriors, which was my old podcast. And uh, my coaching business can be found at elizabethcushcoaching.com. If you want to work with me, I'm licensed in Delaware and Maryland for therapy, and that's progressioncounseling.com. Perfect. And your podcast? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even say that. It's at uh, <laughs> Awaken Your Wise Woman is my podcast. Yes. yes so that, that you can find on my coaching site or Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. We okay. are there. <laughs> we will definitely put that in the show notes. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. You're welcome. That was a very vulnerable episode I know that Elizabeth or Biz is 
new in sharing her story and it's taken her a lot to share this story um but like anyone who shares their story it is bigger than the person and I know this is bigger than her so thank you for listening personal takeaways from that story is it's never too late or you're never too old to start something new or to start healing another takeaway is how we can use the worst of our experiences to connect with others I mean that's I say this, you know, and you probably always hear me say it. This is why I do it. So we can connect with others and help other people know we're not alone in the challenges that we face every day. And this story really emphasized that. Another takeaway is the fear of what others think can keep us stuck. The fear of what others think can keep us stuck. And lastly, there are parts of us that desire change, but may not know how or be too fearful. So those were my takeaways from this episode. Um, I would love to hear your takeaways. You can send me an email, a DM, tag the podcast, but always please share this with a friend, rate and review. You can do um, the ratings on Spotify and actual rating and a review. You can do that on Apple. And I also believe you can do it on CastBox too. So that helps other people to know about the podcast. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to It Didn't Break Me. If you like this episode, please follow the podcast and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Please don't forget to share this with a friend and you can tag me on Instagram with your takeaway from this episode at Authentically Be You. If you want to keep abreast of upcoming episodes, please sign up for the newsletter on the podcast website, itdidn'tbreakme.com. And remember to discover the beauty within the mess.